Hi, you're listening to You're Like Really Pretty, a podcast for the girls, gays, and theys that love pop culture, reality TV, and a juicy political scandal. I'm your host, Kayla. Oh my god, guys. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing, finally. Listen, you guys, it has been rough dealing with this sickness. I can't even begin to explain to you how thankful I am for modern medicine because I think that approximately um, 85 years ago, 95 years ago, 100 years ago, somewhere in that time frame, this sickness would have taken me out. I would have been dead. Um, And I'm not even lying. It like it destroyed me. Okay, it destroyed me. Um, So I went back to the doctor and I was like, help. I'm not okay. My ear hurts. Um, I need something. I need help badly because it's things are becoming dire. I'm begging God, like, please rid me of this illness. It was a full moon on Cinco de Mayo. I put my crystals out to charge and I set my intention and I was like, make me better. Make me better. Um, it, it was rough. So it turns out, yeah, I had a respiratory viral infection, which when you have a viral infection like COVID, there's nothing you can take that will make it like you can't just take antibiotics for a viral thing. Um, you just have to like wait it out. But then I got an ear infection. They're already starting. Hold on. Got to pause and go kill them. I'll be back. Okay, I'm back. Um, I didn't kill them. I just kicked them out. They gave me a sad face and I said, I don't care. I'm not dealing with it today. So let's hope there's no pawing at the door for the duration of this episode. Anyway, I went to the, I slinked to the doctor. Honestly, I was in a haze driving. Like I was, I should not have driven, but how else was I going to get there? Um, I went there and I was like, I need help, please. And thankfully, listen, okay, with all due, the first doctor, the one that wasn't impressed with my razzle dazzle, didn't do shit to help me. He didn't even give me cold medicine. Second doctor was a woman who I've had before going to urgent care. I didn't have my favorite guy. If I had my favorite guy, um... I'm sure I would have been better by now. But the second lady I I went to, she is great and she's so thorough. Like if I was ever to be a doctor, like she is who I'd be like, hey, can you be my mentor? She asks so many questions and she's so kind and like explains everything to you very well. And she like took one look at my ear and she's like, oh yeah, raging ear infection. And I was like, you think? Like I... <laughs> It hurt so bad. They're like, what's the pain? I was like, 10 out of 10. Like, it truly was so bad. My blood pressure was high because that because she took my blood pressure. And I know what your blood pressure is supposed to be. And I always have healthy blood pressure. And she was like, um, yeah, you, I can tell you're in pain. Because I just went a couple days ago. And she saw my blood pressure. She has access to all my records with my blood pressure. It's always normal. It was a little high. And I was like, um, what does that mean? Am I okay? She's like, yeah, you're just in pain. Like, this is totally, that's what, if you're saying your pain's 10 out of 10, this is totally that. And I was like, oh my God, I did not even know that that, those two things were like 
correlating. I don't know why. I thought blood pressure just had to do with, I don't know, your heart being clogged, the arteries. I don't know. Anyway, it was dire. They gave me some antibiotics for the ear. Um, and literally within like three hours, I started feeling better. And then I was like, I got to go to bed. And I only slept, um, for like four hours. And then I was up for a couple hours and then slept another two hours. And then I wanted to take another nap today, but I really don't want to fuck up my sleep schedule because I'm going to try to work tomorrow. I feel much better today. Uh, as the day has gone on, I feel so much better. I even like hopped in the car and went, got some aspects. I was like, let's do this. First of all, when I was driving the Starbucks, it's, um, I don't like when it's like warm outside and you don't feel good. I was like, where's the rain? <sighs> However, it was beautiful outside today in the Pacific Northwest, at least on the Kitsap Peninsula. Um, the sun was shining. It was a perfect 67 degrees, which is my favorite temperature, 67, 68, right in there. That is like beautiful for me. Apparently next Monday, it's supposed to be 90. It's freaking May. Like, are we in Texas? What the fuck? Why is it going to be 90 degrees in May? Like, come on. Tell me, tell me climate change is not real. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Because why is it 90 in freaking May? Anyway, I am just so incredibly thankful. I'm finally feeling better. This is, I think, in my last episode, which I was dying in, I already told you this is like the second time I've been like really sick this year. Um, at the beginning of the year, my husband and I got the flu and I have never been that sick in my adult life, like ever, never, ever, ever. Even COVID wasn't that like bad because I had the vaccine. I fucked up and didn't get the flu vaccine. I just kept forgetting. It wasn't like I'm anti-vax. Absolutely not. I believe in science. Absolutely not. Um, But I was, yeah, I was pretty scared uh, during the flu situation. And then this situation, I just was like not getting better whatsoever. And I was having to take care of myself. And let me tell you something. I don't like to take care of myself. Okay, I want to be babied and I think that I deserve a trip to Maui or Kauai, probably Kauai because that's where I want to go for having suffered through this disease that I have suffered through. Um, It has been an abomination that I had to take care of myself. And granted, granted, I have an amazing support system all around me, all my friends constantly were checking in on me my mom everybody was checking in on me um everybody was like can we bring you anything do you need it I don't need anything like I I'm totally good on everything what I need is to be babied and that is not something that they can give me (laughs) that is not something that they're gonna give a 30 year old woman the only person that's gonna baby me is my husband and guess where he is underwater all right so you know Moving on from that, uh, I I just thankful for my health. Um, but because I've been sick, literally nothing else is going on in my life. I could tell you about how much I door dash stuff. 
Um, I could tell you about how many Uncrustables I've been eating. Um, about how many liquids I've been downing. My water intake. Chewing gum. I could tell you all about that, but it's kind of boring. So we're just going to move right on um, to Hot Topics and go over that. Because I have a feeling Hot Topics is going to be long. Uh, there is so much... That's happened. And I like couldn't even talk about hot topics last episode because my throat was killing me. So we are going to start off with um, some very sad news for millennials all across the world and probably a little bit of Gen X too. Uh, Sum 41 is disbanding. They're making one final album and then adios. And what's kind of crazy is so my friend Tay and Angela, we went last fall I want to say we went and saw Simple Plan in Sum 41 and Simple Plan was absolutely amazing that was like a dream come true for me because I love Simple Plan and I was obsessed in middle school with them um and Sum 41 like I know you know some of their songs but like wasn't as obsessed I more like thought about um the lead singer Derek being married to Avril Lavigne and then like in the Simple Life season one Paris was dating Derek so that was kind of like what I thought of when I thought of Sum 41 but they put on a great show but like they did not interact with each other at all like at all it was kind of crazy um but they you know they had so much energy and Derek I'm pretty sure is like sober now and stuff so it yeah it was it wasn't entirely surprising, but it does like kind of make me sad. And hopefully maybe they just like take five years off and then reconcile and come out with another great album. But that was that was weird to to see on Twitter. And then um, other huge news. So the 1975, which is like every Tumblr girl's, you know, the, the they're everything. And I'm not going to lie, okay? Chocolate, that song, I loved. Um, And yes, I'm easily influenced because the lead singer, Matt Healy, is all over. I Okay, I was easily influenced a few months ago when they started on tour. And do you guys remember on TikTok, maybe your TikTok is different than mine, but like he um, does like kind of this uh, like auto-tune thing. Not on all of his, all of their songs or anything like that, but like on some of the songs, I guess. And there was like kind of this moment that went viral and he was like, not the menthols. I don't want menthols. And like people were throwing cigarettes on stage and they were menthols. It cracked me up. And so I kind of like started, I was like, hmm, maybe I should explore a little bit more when I saw that. And then the rumor mill, rumor mill? I said meal. Rumor mill. See, I'm so excited that I'm okay and I'm like able to talk. I mean, I always stumble under over my words. Oh my God. Okay. I always stumble over my words, but I'm not having to choke every two seconds. So I'm just so excited. The rumor mill is that Taylor Swift and Matt Healy are dating. He was spotted at her um, concert and he had he's on tour too and he had like mouthed something 
while like a couple nights ago and then she mouthed something and it looked like they mouthed the same thing I think it was like you know I love you or something like that I don't know but I'm very much here for it I it excites me and it's because her and Joe Alwyn broke up and she's been you know prancing around with her girl squad so it feels like it's 2014 again which excites me in my bones Oh my God, Taylor Swift, 1989 Taylor Swift, messy Taylor Swift. Like, I don't want her to get messy again because the world turned on her and I don't want her to go through that again, okay? I am a Swifty. I wasn't always, but she was my number one artist. How? She was my number one artist last year on Spotify. I'm still so confused by that. I'm like, I, I'm i an undercover Swifty. I didn't know that. But now I'm, now I'm out. Now I'm like fully, yes, I love Taylor Swift. That fucking Lavender Haze song. Oh my God. I listened to it so much. Like over and over. It's, you know, I got a case of the neurodivergency. And so when something hits in my brain, I just like exhaust myself with it. But I never exhausted myself with that. Nor, and I'm still on the Ocean Eyes kick with Billie Eilish. I've not exhausted myself with that. But Anyway, circling back, Matt Healy, 1975. They make some good and fun music. I like it. I get why the girlies are crazy. I'm so excited and so here for this. A lot of people are like, it's a PR stunt. I don't care. Okay, who cares? I want to be entertained. Okay, these are entertainers. I want to be entertained and they are getting entertainment. I want these shenanigans. I sign up for this circus. Okay, I like it. It's not hurting anybody. Who's it hurting? However, apparently there's some stuff because that's how it always is that is problematic with him. I guess like perhaps he's said some racist stuff and some like anti-Semitic stuff and just generally not great stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering how Miss Taylor's gonna spin this, but honestly, I am here for the circus. Like I said, I want to see all of it. I like it. I like it. I want her in another public relationship. I just want her to have fun. I just want to see her going out in New York, Cornelia Street, okay? Honestly, I'm ready for Gaylor, okay? I know she's queer. I know she is. And all you people who get mad about speculating about people's sexuality, she's like basically confirmed it. Okay. So it's like not speculation. So get over it. Quit getting so outraged about everything. All right. But I say that as I'm about to get outraged about something. Crisp rat. Yes, you heard me correctly. Crispy rat. Not crisp Pratt. Crisp rat. Crispy rat. He is comparing himself to Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. He's so stupid. I can't stand him. And I never really liked him. I only liked him because he was with Anna Ferris. And I was like, if Anna likes him, then maybe I'll like him. I don't, I've never liked him. I His humor, like him and Ryan Reynolds, they're like sarcastic brand of humor. It gets old. It's like, you know, it was funny in 2005. It's like not funny anymore to me. Um, 
he is so fucking annoying. I can't stand him. I wish he would just shut the fuck up. Aren't you satisfied with like just being a rich and like you and your healthy babies? God, remember when he did that, when he posted that? Thank you for giving me a healthy baby. Ugh, he's so annoying. I, why are you talking, why are you comparing yourself to Jesus Christ? Like he thinks that people don't like him because he's a Christian. And I'm like, no, people don't like you because your brother is allegedly like a right wing nut. And he's from Lake Stevens. So it's not that surprising that he would be like a crazy right wing nut. But like, that's like, people don't like you because of like, you're a fundamentalist. Like it's not because you're a Christian. There's a lot of people who are Christians that people like. Um, and you are one of them that we do not. And I, I honestly, I don't know if there's anybody that does like him. Like, I don't see anybody ever like defending him, even on Twitter where people will have the most backwards takes about it. Like, I don't even see them being like, yeah, quit making fun of him. Like everybody, everybody I see, either everybody has like no opinion of him or they're like me and they really can't stand him. And I really can't stand him. He's just like a loser. He's so annoying. Um, And then speaking of losers, Chris Brown. You guys hear about what Chris Brown did? He beat up Usher. So apparently, allegedly, this is how it went down. This is what I could gather from the interwebs. Was, you know how Usher is like, if you haven't, go on TikTok and type in Usher skating. It it feels like it's 2004 again for me when I watch those videos. I'm feeling feelings that cannot be stopped. Um, because Usher skating in a skate rink with loud ass music. Oh my God. I eat it up every time. I eat it up every time. I'm like, why is this man so sexy skating around with the lights? Oh, he looks so fine too. Oh my God. Anyway, so he's always skating. That's what he's doing. Um, like I don't, does he perform anymore? (laughs) I just see him skating all the time. And so, um, for, I think, I think he was throwing a party for Chris Brown. They were in Atlanta and Miss Tiana Taylor, who I talked about last episode, because, oh my God, can we talk about it again? Her Met Gala outfit. Oh, it was so, oh my God. She popped off with that. She popped off with that. Scrum deliumptious. So Tiana Taylor was there talking, I guess, um, what had happened was last year, um, Chris Brown was supposed to do, supposed to be part of some tribute for Michael Jackson. And because Chris Brown's who he is, he, like, they had a change of direction. They're like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Probably because people on Twitter and the internet were, you know, rightfully outraged. And they're like, why the fuck are you giving this guy a platform? Um, he's like a known abuser multiple times. And I'm not just talking about when he was 19 with Rihanna. Like, no, it's documented. Google. People get on, on Twitter and defend him. And I'm like, I can't, I'll sometimes engage and then I'll just get pissed off. And sometimes I just have to be like, it is not, it is not worth arguing with somebody who wants like to be intentionally stupid. But, you know. 
I can't just like shut my mouth. Like I have to say something because he's so awful. Um, I guess Tiana, and I didn't know this. I guess she like helps a lot of artists with their production, uh, like their shows and stuff. Like she, I think she has like a side gig running like productions. I don't know. But she was involved in the process and Chris Brown was like pissed off about it, like pissed off that like he got kicked out of the MJ tribute and he went to go confront her and she, because she's a boss, like was like, I'm not paying any mind to you whatsoever. Like you are a scrub and that pissed him off. So apparently um, she just like ignored him and he was like, you fucking bitch, because that's like what he does. And like his thing is like he immediately escalates to violence with women. Like that's just like his M.O. And um, apparently Usher was like, man, like back the fuck up, back up, back up. And so like he tried to separate him and allegedly what happened was that Chris got pissed off that Usher wouldn't kick Tiana out of the party. And so like Chris's like entourage like beat the fuck out of Usher. And it's like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> you are so stupid. And apparently um this isn't the first time him like jumping like one of his friends I had forgotten that he was like, like he was friendly with Frank Ocean and he like jumped Frank Ocean a few years ago too. So it's just like his thing. Like he just, he's a super violent person. You know, he probably has like some fucking worms in the brain. Um, And like my empathy for him has completely dissipated and not that I had much to begin with. Like, I think, you know, I remember a lot of discourse after he beat up, abused, abused Rihanna, that he came out saying like, you know, I grew up in an abusive household. And I think that there was like a sense of like, you know, maybe he'll let he's young enough that like, he'll atone for this and do the work that's necessary. But he just never did. And I implore you if you're somebody who is like even remotely warm towards Chris Brown, it's not that hard to Google the police report um, of what happened to Rihanna. And if you can read that entire thing and not want to puke after, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, He's a horrible person and he continues to abuse women. He continues to abuse men too, but he's particularly brutal towards women, just choking them. Like there's so many, so many stories of him choking women or slapping women or, um, you know, women filing like, things against him for sexual assault. Like he, there's pictures of him choking a woman. I mean, I can't, oh my God. He's just a terrible, terrible human being. And I just hope he fucking fucks off. (laughs) How many times do I say that an episode? I have so much rage in me. 
I have so much rage against these piece of shit men. Fucking fuck off. I hate all of you. <laughs> I promise I'm like, I'm a really positive person, but fuck man, these men, I just am so sick and tired of like men getting away with being pieces of shit and like no repercussions. And this, honestly, this is rooted in a personal issue. Okay. I'm always gonna fucking hate abusers, obviously. And I'm always gonna rant about that. But it's like turned up a dial because somebody very close to me is having an experience and she'll be listening to this and I love you. Um, But she's having an experience where a man is not getting any accountability. Um, Like he kind of is, but there's fear that he won't get any uh, because he has a charismatic personality and um, he's part of the boys club and he's part of an entity that will protect their own. And he is somebody who is just very manipulative. And what he's done is gaslight her and be verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. And watching her and her strength while she navigates this crisis, and it just... It pisses me off that women, especially black women, always have to be strong and they always have to face adversity. And for them to find their strength, it has to come in the form of turmoil. They can't just find their strength through their on their own. Um, And she is incredibly strong And she's incredibly resilient and she will be okay because she's that bitch. But I'm sick and tired of men getting away with shit. I'm sick and tired of men being pieces of shit to women. And I'm so done with men being fucking violent and nothing happening to them. Nothing. Because we don't live in a system that protects victims So the person who I'm talking about, your situation, I love you and fuck him. I hope he breaks his fucking ankles. Okay, on to the next thing. So here's some happy news. If you're a side chick, (laughs) if you're a side chick, here's some happy news. To side chicks everywhere, Camilla, she did it. The ultimate side trick chick. She worked her way into getting that crown, honey. <laughs> She's queen, bitch. <laughs> oh my God, can you believe that? Oh, Twitter was roasting him alive, roasting him alive. Um, there, there's a a sick obsession with his pinkies or his fingers in general. They're they're large. They really are like um, concerning the the size of them. Uh, but he, <laughs> I just went on Twitter <laughs> and I just typed in King, and then it it auto corrected or not auto corrected. It suggested Charles Hands. Oh my god, they're so they have to be like 
they have to be doing a little Photoshop, right? There has to be like a little Photoshop going on. I don't know. Um, but uh, it it's... <laughs> He's king and... You know what? Fucking down with the aristocratic regimes. Down with the monarchy. Okay, I'm over it. I'm over it. Did you hear that? Um, uh, Harry was in town for 28 hours and then flew back home to be home for I don't know whose birthday it was. I think it was Archie's. Isn't that cute? But you know, somebody did bring up a very good point. That, you know, like they are still, their kids have their titles and it's like, do you really want the monarchy to end if you're still like benefiting from it? You know what I mean? I kind of agree with that criticism, but it's all he's known. I don't know. It's like separate yourself from it. I don't know. Down with it. I I don't know enough. Okay. I'm not a, I, I don't know enough. I'm just a stupid American. I do know that the Kardashians are our royal family. <laughs> I do know that, that they're our royal family. Um, or is it Beyonce and Jay-Z? Are they our royal family? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh my God, I'm still on cough medicine a little bit. Okay, don't make fun of me. Um, and then the last little bit I wanted to talk about something in the Bravo verse, which is that Kim Zolciak and Croy Bierman are divorcing. Um, apparently she filed for divorce today. And I saw on faux moi on Reddit, which is like a, it's a sub that really criticizes the Dumois, but also like kind of references it. It's kind of like people who like really hate Dumois, but are kind of addicted to it. I can't go through all those stories. Um, so I never really got on the Dumois train. I was like... I don't know. I don't really, I, I, I don't care. Like I tried during quarantine to like care, but I just don't. Uh, but I do like the FOMA um, subreddit because it's just like, it's very pop culture heavy and fucking, it's just the shit I eat up. But they posted that a few months ago, um, there was like some sort of story that Allegedly, Croy Bierman wasn't living in Kim's house or their house anymore. And the thing with them is they were getting sued and like uh, they were like behind on their mortgage and they were about to lose their house. And allegedly the T was is that Jason Aldean, of all people, like bought their house so that they could save it. That's what I remember reading. Um, and so they, they can all stay there. Kim spends so much money. I used to like in 2015, 2016, 2017 in there. I followed her on Snapchat and then Instagram. And I followed Brielle. Um, and they were, I watched the show. That was a show that like Tardy for the Party. Um, 
takes me back to a specific time in my life, which is when like, like I've told you guys, when my heart got broken and I had to move back in with my parents. And I would watch that because I worked such weird hours that a lot of the time I'd get like the big TV all to myself. And by big TV, you guys would be like, that's your big TV. Like my husband, anyway, (laughs) we're not going down that road. It wasn't that big of a TV, but it was bigger than the one we had downstairs. And so I would watch that um I would watch like marathons of don't be tardy and so like I kind of liked uh Kim's like annoying personality because I'm annoying like that and I liked how devoted Croy was to her at least he appeared to be and she's just kind of a bitch and I really kind of like women that are kind of a bitch um and yeah, they, they were entertaining and then it, it quickly became not entertaining to me. It was like, even after like I was like following her on Snapchat and Instagram and stuff, I was like, I can't watch that show anymore. Like it, it's just, it's like a show about nothing, but not in a fun Seinfeld way. So I kind of fell off paying attention to them. And then Brielle's face changed every single time I saw it. And I was like, oh, this is just making me sad. Remember when she tweeted, who do I, who does Brielle have to blow to get tickets to the John Legend concert? And Brielle was like 18. Do you guys remember that? Can you imagine your mom saying something like that about you? Oh my God, absolutely terrible. But I do remember Brielle dating the guy that she dated on the show. Oh my God, he was really hot. What was his name? I can't remember. And then she dated that baseball player and he was really hot. And then he married this other girl. They had a baby together. Oh my God, that baseball player was hot. But yeah, Brielle looks like totally different. Um, I think the other one's name is Ariana. She and she was like smart. Did she ever finish college? I hope she did. Um, not that all your value comes from an education. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Instagram influencing doesn't last forever. And she has the means and access to get an education as a backup plan. That's all I'm saying. Okay, get your bag, honey, but also get an education if you have the means to do so. Um, where was I going with this? Why is it? Why do I have to go on these tangents just to say that they're divorcing? Okay, it doesn't matter. I'm allowed to go on these tangents, right? So they're divorcing, but I, me thinks perhaps that it's a, um, a sham divorce to hide assets. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, So that, you know, because like, who's going to drive her around? Who's going to do her wigs? She's not going to do them. The little ones, I don't think they're old enough to do it yet. I don't think they're like for real, for real getting divorced. I think that they're trying to hide assets because they spend so much money. And I was like, girl, there's no way you're bringing enough money in to make any of this happen. I will say she has, um, I don't know if she has the line anymore. It was called cashmere and it had such a divine scent. Like, oh my God, the scent that was, she had, when I was buying it, 
it was the, oh my God, I was part of a Facebook group and people were like, I remember this one Facebook post, this girl, she bought like $1,500 worth of this stuff. And she's like, my husband and I got <laughs> fucking Facebook groups, man. I'll never get rid of Facebook. I will never, ever get rid of Facebook. Like, I know that they are such a hindrance on our democracy and um, truly an awful, evil corporation. But I can't. I can't. For the Facebook groups alone, I'm sorry, okay? There's no way to be ethical under our current model um, to be fully ethical. And I got to make choices. And a choice that I'm making is that I have to stay on Facebook for the Facebook groups. But she spent $1,500 on the cashmere line. <laughs> she said, <laughs> I maxed out my credit card and my husband and I got in a huge fight, but it's worth it. And she was like, hashtag shelfie. <laughs> oh my God. I spent like $119 and I was like, this is pushing it. And then I saw that. I was like, girl, you're doing fine. <laughs> 1500 But fuck, it smelled good. It was like, um, I got like this body oil, which Kim was like, I created, that's how I kept stretch marks away. Um, like I, I made this concoction when I was pregnant with the twins and stuff and it's like, okay, girl, sure. But, um, she, it, it did smell good and it felt nice. And then there was like this body scrub. Oh my God. That fucking body scrub was good. It was good. It like, it was like moisturizing. Damn, you know what? Miss Kim, I might have to see if you still sell cashmere. But yeah, I had to get out of that Facebook group. I was like, you guys are deluded. You're deluded. Because she would like sometimes like go and comment under. And I, I know that they were doing it just hoping for that sweet, sweet shot of serotonin in their brain um, or whatever chemical is released when you get a like on social media. It, I was like, I gotta get out of here. This is too, this is too much for me. But they're divorcing. So um, maybe she'll be back on Atlanta. Okay, there's just one more thing that I wanted to pop in real quick um, before we move on to this week's model. And if you didn't already know, now you will. This is not a podcast that is supportive of Johnny Depp. Honestly, um, it's quite disturbing to see people support that man. Uh, And as somebody who does thorough research on things, like he's a known abuser. This isn't that that's not news. Uh, You know, he was found guilty in the UK court system because he sued the son for defamation. And a judge found 12 instances, 12 credible instances of him abusing Amber Heard. Um, And so, you know, our system doesn't respect victims and Amber Heard's not a perfect victim. No victim's a perfect victim. But with Amber Heard, there's, there was just so much like disgusting and insidious things that I saw from people And it was just, it was a fucking circus and it was disgusting. And, um, you know, there's just like the 2016 election, like there was very credible evidence that his team used bots on the internet to, I mean, you don't see that shit anymore to discredit her 
it's just, uh, I feel for her and, you know, um, it, it was really fucked up and God, if you watch that video, like it's fucking insane. Like the, the video that she recorded when he was like freaking the fuck out about wine. Yeah, I, I can't take it. Um, it's really heartbreaking to, to see that shit and to see people just still get it so incredibly wrong. And I, yeah, I don't know. But, um, a little update on her. She moved to Spain because like fucking America is so awful and, um, just was so incredibly abusive towards her. So I don't really blame her at all for moving to Spain. However, uh, a lot of men, a lot of abusers have tried to use the tactics of Johnny Depp and what his team successfully did to destroy any kind of credibility when it came to um, Amber Amber Heard's, uh, you know, her allegations of abuse against him. Um, it, it, they, men in particular have tried to do that over and over. And one of them who is very good friends with Johnny Depp and you saw in the trial, if you paid any attention to it, the stuff that Johnny Depp would text Marilyn Manson about, Amber and I'm not going to repeat it because it's just it's honestly it's too disgusting to repeat and I just feel like that's um that's contributing to the problem with with that kind of stuff but it you know he definitely got pointers from Johnny trying to discredit um Evan Rachel Wood and she put out a great documentary um called Phoenix Rising um, it's on HBO. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And, uh, a court, um, strikes down Marilyn Manson's defamation claims against Evan Rachel Wood. And that is just, it's incredible. Like he, um, he was doing everything he could to destroy her. And if you watch that documentary, the abuse he put her through, it was just, He's a sick, twisted fuck. Like, he is just disgusting. A a sick human being. And he, um, you know, tried to sue her for defamation. And she fought and fought and fought. And um, he tried to use his money and his influence to continue to abuse her. And... uh, he claimed that like she was trying to get women to lie about the abuse that they inflicted on or that he inflicted on other women. Um, and it's just a monumental day for, for victims when it comes to fighting against these abusive pieces of shit. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good day. For that, and also abuses abusive pieces of shit. Um, Donald Trump was found liable in a civil case for sexual abuse and defamation. 
Um, that is fucking incredible. He's not going to prison. So like, you know, that I want to make that very clear because I I think a lot of people don't understand that it wasn't a criminal um, case. It was a civil case and a jury awarded uh, E. Jean Carroll $5 million. Will she see that money? More than likely not. Um, He will, you know, appeal, appeal, appeal and everything. But this is just such an important uh, moment when it comes to holding Donald Trump accountable for his crimes. It shows that the justice system, you know, maybe has some cojones and will fucking do something about him and his crimes. (laughs) I don't know if we'll ever see him um, in a orange jumpsuit. I don't know if that will happen, but I pray to Jesus it will. Okay, let's get into this week's model, who I'm so excited to talk about. All right, Miss Cindy Crawford. You know who she is. Come on, you do. Everybody knows who Cindy Crawford is. She is iconic. Um, So Cindy Crawford was born on February 20th, 1966. What does that make her? A Pisces, aka my favorite sign. Um, my Piscean queen, the water babies. I love you. Your emotions. Uh, I just eat it up. Mwah, mwah, mwah. So she was born in DeKalb. DeKalb. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Illinois. Um, she is a Midwest girl. Oh my God. Can I talk? Am I? Can I talk? Is that something that I'm able to do at any point in my life? She is a Midwest girl. Jesus, that's not even like a tongue twister. What is going I'm just talking too fast. I need to slow down. Um, so she's in this mid. Oh my God. What the fuck? She's a Midwest girl through and through. Uh, her parents were very Americana. Like when you hear what their um their occupations were, you're going to be like, oh my God. Her father was an electrician and her mother was a bank teller. Is that like, come on, that's so freaking cute. Uh, she had three siblings, um, two sisters and a brother. And her brother, Jeff, passed away from cancer when he was only three years old. And that had an incredible impact on her. The trauma of it was just, it inflicted a lot on her. And um, she was she was very young when that happened, too. Uh, and then her discovery story is a little bit different. You know, it wasn't riding horses. Um, it was very Midwest. She was detasseling corn. <laughs> I have a friend who I have a lot of people I know that are from the Midwest, but I have a close friend named Angela and she is from Illinois and she also detasseled corn. Um, <laughs> you know, up here in, uh, I don't know about the rest of the PNW, but kind of the area I'm from, like a lot of kids' first jobs is picking berries at like Spooner Farms and stuff. <laughs> I guess that's like our detective detasseling corn. Oh my God, that's so funny. So she was detasseling corn in 1982 and she was spotted by a local news photographer who took a few pictures of her. And then another photographer 
um, for a weekly piece uh, for the local newspaper. It was about college girls. It was like called Coed Weekly. Um, took pictures of her, and that was technically her first cover. Was the Coed Weekly when she was still in high school, um, and. I guess uh, these girls played a prank on her um, in high school, too, where they called and pretended to be a modeling agency after, you know, this stuff. And so they were like, we want to sign you. We want to sign you. So she had, you know, a little bit of bullying. Um, But then she did later sign with a small agency. And that agency was bought out by, of course, elite model management. Um, And... And she entered uh, the Elite Look of the Year contest, um, and she ended up being a finalist. So she was able to really kind of springboard her career from that exposure. And you know how, like, I just said, like, she's very Americana. Like, she really was. She is very all-American. Um, she was the valedictorian Victorian for her graduating class. She got into Northwestern and was studying uh, chemical engineering. However, she was also modeling at the same time, and she just could not juggle both of them and decided to drop out and pursue modeling, which was probably the smart choice. Um, but isn't that kind of cool? She was like studying chemical engineering. We love a girl with brains and beauty. Uh, And so she moved to New York and um, she got her first Vogue cover in August of 1986. Isn't that crazy? Like in 1982 is like when she got that picture when she was detasseling the corn. And then by 1986, she's on the cover of Vogue. Like that's insane. Um, And then like Miss Tatiana, she was really instrumental in expanding the ideals of beauty. So obviously she's gorgeous, but she has that iconic mole. And back then, like the people who were heading the modeling industry, like they wanted to airbrush everything and they decided not to airbrush her mole off. And that was just that was really monumental. And could you imagine Cindy freaking Crawford without her mole. Like, I can't even picture that because what is that? Um, And so she she is one of those that rocketed and she she really did. She rocketed quickly Uh, early on in her career. She was called Baby Gia and Gia was like the OG supermodel. Um, Her story is really sad and heartbreaking. Angelina Jolie has a movie where she plays Gia and it's must watch. I'm not going to give it, you know what? I might even watch it tomorrow before I go to school. Um, it's, it's a must much watch, but she has a resemblance to Gia. And so early on she was called baby Gia. Like she was destined to be a star from the get go in her career. And Cindy's superpower as a model is really like kind of her accessibility, at least as accessible as models were back then. Um, She was the girl next door. Like that was her look. And men wanted to be with her. Women wanted to be her friend, which is something that is like a lot of the times with models, it's women, you know, want to look like them. And obviously women wanted to look like Cindy Crawford, like, hello, her hair. Come on, her hair, duh. 
but they really felt like like the women of that of that time that were coming into adulthood or were in their adolescence and stuff, they really kind of looked up to her. And it was because she was really open about like her middle class upbringing, um, being from the Midwest, uh, her parents divorced. She was very open about the trauma of losing her brother to cancer at a young age And so that made her, um, and then the fact that she had a mole, it like, women were like, obviously she's drop dead gorgeous, but like, she is not, there's like an imperfection and that, that was really appealing at the time. And so even though like a mole is not imperfection, but you know, we're talking about the eighties. Okay. Um, so that really, that her personality, how open she was, I that was so instrumental in her success. Like her personality really is shining in everything. Um, and then the hair, the hair. I'm going to talk about the hair a million times this episode because, oh my God, I love her hair. So she just quickly took off. And she has said that she treated modeling like a career, not a lifestyle. And she attributes a lot of her success to that. She said she and um, Claudia Schiffer were the same in that regard. So there's a little nugget about Claudia. Um, And then what's also really cool is that she was one of the first supermodels to pose in Playboy. And she posed in Playboy for the July 1988. And it was shot by none other than Herb Ritz. Because duh. Um, And it is gorgeous and iconic and amazing. And she is the moment. She is the star. I love Playboy shoots. I love celebrity Playboy. And I mean, obviously, like, Playboy, if you've watched any of the documentaries, it was not a good place. Like it was really not a good place whatsoever, but it was, you know, things can coexist and Playboy was really revolutionary in a lot of ways um, for like platforming feminist ideals and um, like a sexual revolution and everything. But also like, you know, it was a bunch of predators and Hugh Hefner was a predator but um, she was in Playboy, and I just think that is fucking incredible. Uh, and I love looking at the covers and the centerfolds and looking for the bunny, and I just think that's cool. Anyway, it's not about Playboy. One day we will do a Playboy episode, but that is not today. So Cindy ended the 80s uh, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Riding high, she ended it signing a $4 million contract with Revlon in 1989. And just to give you um, what $4 million is uh, in today's money, um, let me Google that really, really quick. So $4 million in 1989 is worth... $9.7 million today. That's insane. Yeah, she signed a Revlon contract for 
four million dollars in 89 and then she began the 90s like a lot of these other women that we've talked about did she was on that british vogue cover shot by peter Lindbergh, and she was also in the freedom um 90 video and she also was in a uh like a whole bunch of music videos she was in like a um bon jovi which i love bon jovi it took me a lot to be appreciative of like boomer music. Um, and I still will not get down with the Eagles. Like I can't, that music like does something to my brain. It like makes me spaz out, but I freaking love Bon Jovi. Love it. Love it. Okay. So she's in the freedom 90 video. We're like, Oh my God, you're incredible. We were already, you know, we spent the last part of the eighties falling in love with her. And then the early 90s, like Cindy just keeps that momentum going. She is that girl in the early 90s. Like, think Bella Hadid. That's I I feel like that's probably an apt comparison is Bella Hadid. Um, Like what her star power is today is what Cindy's was in the late 80s and the 90s. Like, she was everywhere in everything doing it. And the girlies were doing everything they could to be like her. And honestly, they still are. Okay, I'm trying to be like Cindy Crawford. All right. And she kept that momentum going. Um, She started dating Richard Gere in 1991. And a little side note about Richard Gere. Um, my husband hates him. <laughs> he... Like, you mention Richard Gere and my husband pops off. And I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what it's about. Honestly, I think he needs to talk to a professional. I don't know if there's somebody in his childhood that resembled Richard Gere. And so now he's, like, um, traumatized. <laughs> but he, like, flips out. And it's, like, to the point where, like, at first it was, like, ha-ha funny. And, you know, like, I want to do a yearly rewatch of Pretty Woman. Okay, I like to do that. I like to get down with that. That's fun for me. I also really love And the Band Played On, which is such a sad movie. Oh, my God. If you haven't watched that movie, I didn't watch it until um, a few years ago in a history class. And it was honestly, it was just so incredible. It's a HBO movie, which HBO fucking does it, man. They do good with their, um, made for HBO movies. Um, but it's about, uh, the, I think I've talked about, it. I think I've mentioned it here. I know I mentioned it a lot in my like normal life, but, um, it's a movie about, uh, basically the spread of AIDS and how the government didn't do anything about it um, and how there were people fighting and how this country and the world just kind of said fuck you to gay people and gay men and it was it was terrible um, but Richard Gere plays somebody who was like an actor I think it was loosely based on like a, a real person um, but he plays like somebody who gets AIDS and he was a straight man and um yeah it's just really really good movie and I like to watch that movie <laughs> and Richard Gere's not really in it that much but oh my god my husband when I told him I wanted to watch it with him he was like I, I was like in Richard Gere's in it and he like 
I hate him. Like, he's just so he like goes on this rant about his eyes, like something about his eyes. He's like his beady little eyes. And I'm like, can you please get a grip? Um, But as somebody who also goes on rants about people, I understand. I respect it. But my rants about people are rooted in reality. His rants are about his about Richard Gere having beady eyes. (laughs) Like, he doesn't give me anything other than he doesn't trust him. Um, (laughs) I can't wait for my husband to listen to this episode because he'll come find me and then rant about Richard Gere to me. Um, And so Cindy was dating Richard Gere and they got married um, in 1991. And Cindy was a Gianni Versace girl. She was, after the Freedom 90 video came out, She was part of that crew that walked, uh, I think it was first spring, summer, 91. She walked with Christy, um, Naomi, Claudia, and Cindy. They walked uh, in Gianni's show for in 1991, and um, they walked to that song. And so she was somebody who Gianni adored. She was part of that crew. And in... Uh, 1991 at the 63rd Oscars, she wore a Versace red dress and it is iconic. Honestly, I think it's probably one of the most timeless pieces to ever have been created. Like, I think it's up there with Marilyn Monroe's, um, some, uh, what's the name of that movie? Gentlemen Prefer... Yeah, gentlemen prefer blondes. Um, the pink dress, I, it's up there with that. It's up there with Audrey Hepburn's um, Breakfast at Tiffany's outfit. It's up there with uh, Jackie Kennedy's um, Lily Pulitzer shift dress. Like it, it's one of those dresses that is so iconic. And even if you are like, what dress is she talking about? It is been duplicated recreated paid homage there it was like one of the first dresses that was um like knocked off you know like by the the, uh it would be fashion nova today (laughs) fashion nova's equivalent um to the 90s which was like canal street in new york and then you know like all those shopping areas that like it was shipped from China and everything like it was knocked off so much but it's this long red Versace dress with a deep deep plunge at the front and she has her gorgeous gorgeous um Cindy Crawford hair and in my original picture I posted on Instagram when I was like I'm gonna do this series the picture of Cindy that's on there is from the Oscars. Like I just did her, just her face, but it's from the Oscars because it is a iconic piece of history. Like it really is. And that's what that kind of stuff, that dress, her wearing that dress, what it means. That is why I have such a love affair with pop culture because of things like that. Because it, I can get so passionate about this red dress that was worn before I was even born. I was not, I, I still had two years left being an egg before I was going to be around. And it, 
it's just so monumental and it still has such a lasting impact. You know, 32 years later, I'm talking about that dress on this podcast and the girls are still wearing dresses that are with a deep plunge. And it really like that, that Gianni was just incredible. Cindy was perfect to wear that dress. And it, it's just really, it's really awesome. And um, of course, I will have the imagery on Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm almost at a thousand followers. Please. Thank you. Okay. So they got married in 91. They're a very gorgeous couple. They're an it couple. And um, it, it, yeah, they're, you know, in People Magazine, in like, you know, most beautiful couple of the year, that kind of stuff. Like they're photographed so much. And I mean, can it get any better? An actor, a leading man with like a gorgeous supermodel? It's just... The stars aligned and they were meant to be. And then 1992. So like as if, you know, wearing one of the most iconic dresses ever. She just keeps going. 1992 is a huge year for Cindy. So um, I'm going to start with like a little lesser known thing and then go into the thing that you're going to be like, okay, I've been waiting for you to talk about it. So in 92, she um, came out with a like fitness movie video um and even though like the the at-home video craze was really the 80s it's it went well into like the early 2000s I mean the height was the 80s with Jane Fonda but this one it sold out it was incredible and it actually was heavily criticized a lot of people even at that time criticized it for being like kind of unhealthy Like they were like, these are not, this is not a healthy video to be marketing to women and young girls. Um, And so, and she's created a few more uh, fitness videos. Like I feel like every, like she did one a couple years after the one in 92. And then she did one in like the 2000s and then updated one in like the 2010s. And so it's kind of something she's kept going with. But the most and I would say this is probably the most iconic modeling gig ever so not only is she wearing one of the most iconic dresses her this ad is like truly I think the ad of all ads um and had the internet been around it would have broke the internet and it definitely went viral It's so quintessentially American. And that's kind of the story of Cindy is that like she is America's girl. Um, It's, you you know, I don't even have to say it. I don't even have to say it. The Pepsi ad, the Super Bowl Pepsi ad in 92. That was the ad. Like, and it still is. And you know what? She like recreated a couple years ago. I ate it up. Whenever I see the Instagram girlies do a little photo shoot where they're like recreating it, I eat it up every time. I love it. I've seen so many TikToks of the hot girls doing the Pepsi ad. Like it's, in, I I love it. I think it is so cool. I'm not one of those haters. Um, she, she really popped off and it's so, oh my God, it's so well done. She looks so gorgeous. 
She looks so hot. The hair, the drinking of the pop, like I eat it up. I eat it up. Um, she, I mean, she could have like never done anything like ever again after that. And it, 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 her, her iconicness would have been cemented because of that ad. Um, and because of that ad and because of the fitness, um, movie, like the thing that was so special about Cindy is that she was extremely successful in turning herself into a brand. And so that kind of goes back to what she said of, she treated modeling not like a lifestyle, but like a career. And she pivoted herself into becoming the brand. And I, I think that's what the successful girls do today. The Giselles, um, the Heidi's, the Bellas, the Gigi's, like they are, they're brands. Uh, they're not just pretty faces. They're not just the girls that are on the cover. Like they pivot and they turn themselves into a business. And she did that. I think out of this group of women that I'll talk about, um, Tyra was very successful at that. And Cindy was very, very, very successful at that. And so she not only killing it at the modeling game, doing her little fitness video, doing her little ad, her little ad, you hear me, her little ad, you know, that little ad, that little Pepsi ad. She also hosted a show on MTV called House of Style. And what's kind of cool about House of Style is that it was evenly split with popularity amongst men and women. Um, So like, obviously, you know, Gen X, uh, MTV like was hugely popular. And if you talk to any Gen Xer and they talk about MTV, they're very passionate about it. But the fact that it was pretty much 50-50 in viewership of that show, I think that just speaks to like her likability. Like I just, I think that's really fascinating. Um, And then she also, (laughs) okay, this part I don't want to talk about because (laughs) so you know, how I told you that I like cringy things like I don't I don't get joy out of it and people who do get joy I don't understand how you do it makes me want to like crawl into my skin but I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't mention this so she obviously was doing the damn thing and she's like you know what what I'm gonna do I'm gonna act and the studio was like fuck yeah we love Cindy Crawford Everybody loves Cindy Crawford. Um, so she starred in a movie with Billy freaking Baldwin. Ooh. Do the Baldwin brothers not make you like, I, ooh. but you know what? <laughs> they could get it. <laughs> Billy Baldwin in 1995 could get it. Okay. I got to be truthful. I'm sorry. I am who I am. I'm a garbage person sometimes, but she starred in this movie And um, it was panned pretty bad. Uh, The budget of the movie was $50 million and it only made $11 million. And I just want to quickly move on from that. Okay, I'm sorry, Cindy, girl, I love you, but I had to talk about it. It was a big moment in the 90s for you. Okay, anyway, let's get back to the good shit. So it, it, I have 
to talk about Cindy and her runway looks. That that is crucial. She fucking killed it on the runway. There are so many incredible shows that she was part of. So many of her looks are like cemented in the Hall of Fame of modeling and they're just forever there in the zeitgeist. Um, One that I really, really love is Dolce & Gabbana Spring 1991. She's wearing black lingerie, elbow length gloves, a gorgeous like silk satin robe, And then she has a rose between her tits and of course, Cindy Crawford hair. Like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's, it's just so glamorous. And that's the thing with Cindy is like her glamour just radiated. Like she really, for me, was probably besides Naomi, the most glamorous girl out of this bunch. And just, but like, so... I don't know. There wasn't like a shittiness about it. Like it was just like, like really, like I said, the girl next door. Um, Love that, that Dolce & Gabbana um, runway look. It's gorgeous. And then Versace 1991, she looks fucking beautiful uh, in that. I mean, she wore a couple outfits for that couture show and she really, and the thing with her, I keep seeing the thing with her, like, as if you don't know what I'm talking about. She embodies Versace to me. Um, Like, she kind of, so I, I think her background is, like, German, English, and, like, that's, like, German, English, Irish, something like that. But to me, doesn't she look like she could be, like, Italian? Like, if somebody said she was Italian, I would believe them. And I feel like that's what... Gianni really gravitated towards is because she did give off beautiful Italian girl. And when she's in a Versace number, it just fucking hits. It hits like nobody's business. And then the combo of that with her hair. Oh my God. It's so good. Her blow, like her hair. I, (sighs) my goal in life is to be successful at blowouts. I know my hair will never give Cindy Crawford because um, does anybody's? (laughs) But I want shades of that. And I am going to learn how to do a good fucking blowout by the end of this year. I mark my words, I'm going to do it. So also gorgeous looks for her on the runway is Chanel. She really does great with um, the Chanel look of the 90s, Karl Lagerfeld. I couldn't really find anything him praising Cindy. Like, you know, he talked about her, but it wasn't like she wasn't one of the Karl girls um, in that sense, which is totally cool. Uh, But she fucking rocked Chanel in the 90s, her runway looks. And then... I think where, so even though she's, this is like, you're going to be like, what? Versace. And then the next thing I'm about to say, you're going to be like, what? She was a Versace girl through and through. But I think where her star shined the brightest was Ralph Lauren. I think she fucking nailed Ralph Lauren. And those are very, very different. Um, Ralph Lauren is so American and that's because she is Americana 
And it, side note about Ralph Lauren, which I didn't know. Did you know that the guy, Ralph Lauren, like he's a Jewish guy and he was like obsessed with like American like Camelot type things. And so he kind of created this like, like that doesn't really exist. It didn't really exist until Ralph Lauren made it exist in his photo shoots and his imagery and stuff. And even then it's kind of like, it's camp. I don't know. I I saw a really cool thing maybe on Reddit or a TikTok. I feel like I read it, so it was probably Reddit about that and I'm I'm going to sink my teeth into that, but I feel like what where she really just her looks really were like breathtaking was when she was doing work for Ralph Lauren and um it just it fits her aesthetic so well. But it's also crazy because she also just looks so cool in kind of those more avant-garde looks. Like there's this really cool look um, where it's like really big buckles. I think it's a Versace look. Yeah, I think it is a Versace. It's a black dress and she has like these buckles all over and it's kind of bondage which is so radically different than Ralph Lauren, but it, she fucking kills it. Like she's really diverse in her looks and stuff. Um, and then, so her runways, her, like she was a runway girl. She was a commercial girl. She also was like high fashion photography girl. Her street style, fucking impeccable. It was incredible. Her um, her and Christy did street style very, very well to me. And her most memorable street style look to me is, of course, an airport look, which ugh, I could look at models at the airport every day for like six hours. I could do that every single day and get lost in it. I love a model, an off-duty model at the airport. Oh, I love any celebrities at the airport. Love those looks, but models are incredible. So she was really in her bombshell-ness of it all. She had her hair in a beautiful blowout. And then she had um, Levi's on in a black leather motorcycle jacket. Mwah! Beautiful. Amazing. Incredible. Gorgeous. Iconic. I love that. Um, And then one of my favorite things about Cindy Crawford, and it so beautifully intersects with two things that I have such a deep, deep passion for. And that is celebrity and politics. (laughs) And she comes together. You know how earlier I was talking about Ralph Lauren in Camelot? Boom, JFK Jr. So there was this show called, um, or show, it was a magazine (laughs) show. Uh, a magazine called George back in the 90s and JFK Jr. was at the helm of it. Um, And he was married to this woman named Carolyn Bassett, who I love and adore. I've talked about her before her, um, her fashion. I think I talked about her in the Christie episode. Carolyn Bassett's fashion is 90s minimalism to like executed perfectly, perfectly. And so, um, Carolyn was, of course, hanging out with none other than Herb Ritz. 
the it's either herb or fucking peter that's that's who's in these stories they were hanging out talking and they were um working on the launch of this magazine and somebody floated cindy's name for the inaugural cover and caroline was like absolutely oh my god yes she is apple pie all american self-made she is perfect for what we're trying to accomplish accomplish with this magazine so caroline convinced um jfk jr to get her and cindy was on the inaugural cover in 1995 dressed this is so good dressed as a sexy george washington just absolutely fucking killed it it's the best fucking thing ever it's incredible like i ah, i that is just it's so good to me it's so i love i love talking about jfk jr and caroline Bassett. i love it their wedding oh my god this is not an episode about them but their wedding, they got married on this island in off of Georgia um, called Cumberland Island. Cumberland? I think it is. And it's kind of like this remote island. You have to take a ferry to it and like not a lot of people go to it. And they got married in this beautiful little church. And the, oh my God. Oh God. Imagine, imagine what he would have accomplished had he imagine what she would have accomplished i don't think they would have stayed married okay we're i'm doing an episode on them i can't we got to get back to cindy such a smart choice the magazine was very short-lived um but it has a lasting impact especially because of that cover oh my god so Cindy, she spent the 90s just killing it in every way possible. She was involved in so many businesses. She dabbled in acting. Um, you know, she was in that movie, Eek. Um, she was the face of so many products. And she also was one of the women who was very, very passionate about charity. Um, and it is rooted in her brother dying, uh, Jeff. She was involved in a ton, or, and still is, of cancer-related um, charities. And then one that is very near and dear to her is the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is where her brother was treated. Um, and she's also on the board of a few foundations for like a bunch of charities that are either... Um, you know, cancer, cancer in children, or like uh, chronic diseases for children. She's in a whole bunch. She's involved in so many things um, and really has used her celebrity to raise money. When she did that recreation of the Pepsi ad a few years ago, that was for charity. Uh, And then um, 95, I forgot to say her and Richard, they divorced in 1995. And then in 1998 is when she married Randy Gerber, who she's still married to. And then in 2000, that's when she retired from modeling full time. She was only 30 freaking four because she wanted to focus on being a mom and her other businesses. But it's like, I just like, just like Tatiana, like I'm just so impressed that somebody could 
be at the level that Cindy freaking Crawford was at. And she was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to like pivot and like took a chance on herself. And she fucking knocked it out of the park, like knocked it out of the park. She's still killing it. When I think of Cindy Crawford today, I, of course, think of the hair, the face, the the Pepsi ad. And then I think of Meaningful Beauty. Those commercials, I remember being in a haze of Mucinex because I was a sick child, being like 14, 15, 16 years old, up at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep because I was fully creatured out on Mucinex and those freaking meaningful beauty ads coming on. And it's it's sold at Ulta now. I thought about buying some, but I was like, no, it will break me out. I can feel it. I can feel it's heavily scented. Um, it and for how much I watched the meaningful beauty ads, I could not tell you exactly what's in them. I feel like it's a melon or like some sort of fruit. Um, that she <laughs> found somewhere and has harvested I know that that is like it's like got a special ingredient and god bless her because it (laughs) she was working on QVC on HLN on the fucking late night as seen on TV commercials like she was working her hiding off with that meaningful beauty I remember the like doctor he was like I don't know but what's really cool about her in the beauty business is that she is been open for a long time, for like 20 years, about cosmetic procedures. She's like, yeah, I get Botox, duh. And you know what? Like, that is refreshing because there's a lot of women who are not like that, um, who are not open about it. And they, they're, what they sell is their body. And so be upfront about what you're doing. Uh, when your body is the product. Um, but yeah, she she fucking killed it. Like she knocked it out of the park um, in the 80s, the 90s. And she's continued, you know, the 2000s, 2010s, the 2020s. Like she's had relevancy for over 40 years. And she does it in a way where it's like, you're not like, like obviously somebody who's a celebrity wants attention. Um, They're in it for attention. Duh. But she's not like, it's not where you're like, oh, girl, like you really still need attention. Like, I think she does it in a way that is very classy is not the right word, um, because that implies that, like, if you are intention seeking, you're not classy. And I don't believe that. But she does it in a way that is very masterful and, um, you know, she's been able to sustain a career for 40 years. And that's fucking incredible. Like, that's impressive. You can't, you can't try to convince me that having that long of a career is not impressive. I will always be impressed with somebody, especially women, especially a model, where their looks are just under a microscope. And she's done really well. And then, of course, her daughter, Kaya, is spitting image of her and she's killing it in the modeling game. 
Um, and I just, I had, she was just fun. Like, it was just fun to read about her. I was just smiling at all the pictures and I was like, God, this woman's so beautiful. She's so iconic. A lot of this stuff I already knew because she is somebody who is just so intertwined with pop culture and American pop culture. And I'm just... I'm just really happy. I'm really happy to see women winning and she continues to fucking win. And, you know, I ranted a lot this episode about men and their shitty behavior. Um, And so I just, I fucking love women and I love Cindy Crawford and I love her blowouts and I love her mole and I love her Pepsi ads and I love meaningful beauty, even though I'll never use it because I'm pretty sure it'll make me break out. Cindy, if you ever listen to this, you're fucking iconic and I love you and thank you for just killing it and being just like Carolyn Bissette said, like she is apple pie. Okay, you can't go wrong with Cindy Crawford. You just can't. Okay, guys, well, thank you for making it this far with me an hour and a half. I know it's crazy that I can't seem to pick just a perfect amount of time to yap into this microphone. I got a lot of shit to say. And then when I'm sick, I still have a lot of shit to say. But thank you so much for all of the support. It means so much to me. Um, My listener in Denmark, you have yet to make yourself known. So I am impatiently waiting for you to slide into the DMs. Okay, I still want to be sponsored. Where are you, my friend? Make yourself known. Find me. I link it all in the bio. Find me. Okay? Thank you. (laughs) And then everybody else in the world that listens to me, thank you so much for the support. It really, truly warms my heart. And I will never, ever not be so thankful that anybody wants to listen to me. Like, I just, it warms my heart. And, um... It means so much, the continued support. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this while you were driving to work, doing your makeup, drinking your coffee. God bless you. God bless everybody. I'm just on top of the world. I'm finally feeling better. And I just like am radiating happiness. Okay, bye.